covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. We are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Heading into the last week of the 2022 NFL season. Super Bowl Sunday upon us. And the black and gold buzz, at least, Jeff, is about quarterbacking. And it's interesting to see folks' reaction right now to what the Saints could bring in with a guy like Derek Carr. I feel like it's really been a mixed bag of people who have been in favor or against this deal. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot about Derek Carr. I also want to recap kind of what the latest is. With all the assistant coaching changes that the Saints have been going through, they hired at least one new coach, and there's a few more openings, and there could be more based on what happened. So some of these assistant coaching um, moves that could happen, that might happen, and we're going to keep going through them. Um, But yeah, so, and then we're going to close out with a mailbag. I'm all over the place. But yeah, so Derek Carr. Visiting New Orleans this week, he is under contract with the Raiders. The Saints would have to trade for him if they wanted him right now. And if they do want to trade for him, they would have to do it by February 15th, which is when his contract guarantees kick in for next season. And you're talking about $40 million. So the Raiders are going to cut him by that point. So at, at this time, you're talking about, okay, do the Saints want him? Does he want the Saints? And then if both of the answers to those questions are yes, then you start talking about compensation. Um, but this is a really tight window, and that's what makes it interesting. You don't have weeks and weeks to kind of figure out, oh, okay, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? You got to figure it out by February 15th. So this visit this week, which apparently is still ongoing, I think Nick Underhill tweeted today that he was back at the team facility today. I don't know if maybe he just forgot his sweatshirt or there was more going on or he had to, they had to talk about some more. Um, but it's it's not a bad sign that he went back. It, it could mean nothing. Um, but No, definitely I would say a huge positive because you always hear never let him leave or you know what I mean? So staying that extra amount of time is always a positive. I, I would think that you're still – he's still interested in what you're having to say. And you're still – Do you think they're holding him hostage? Yeah, basically holding them hostage. Now you can't leave, like uh, in uh, Bronx Tale. I don't, I don't know about that, but it is a good sign that he's still there. I guess it could mean nothing, but so you don't want to infer anything that's not accurate. But at the end of the day, this visit happened in the first place, which means he is open to it. Obviously, Derek Carr and Dennis Allen have a history. Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders in 2014 who drafted Derek Carr in the second round, started him as a rookie. So, you know, I think we've seen, and we're going to get into some of these coaching hires and whatever, I think we've seen over the last couple weeks that Dennis Allen feels like his decisions in the 2014 season were the right ones. And 
he wants to give those another shot, or at least that's kind of how it feels because, you know, Joe Woods, defensive coordinator, Marcus Robinson, DB's coach, were both with him in 2014. Derek Carr obviously was drafted and started in 2014 as a rookie, and that's what you have. I will say that, like, while that sounds bad, I would be more concerned if it was, like, the 2020, sorry, the 2012 staff that he was putting back together, or even the 2013 staff, because at least the positives you can say about the 2014 staff is it only was a thing for four games, and then he got fired, and then you moved on. Um, so we'll see. But it is kind of fascinating, and the question will then become, is Derek Carr worth it? Is he worth the contract you're going to have to put him on or you're going to have to pay him on because he is under contract for three more seasons? Is he worth the compensation you're going to have to send to the Raiders? And is he worth just attaching yourself to him when you could go with someone cheaper? Yeah, with Carr, you know, obviously the arm talent's there. He's a guy who's been incredibly durable. And you got to give him a lot of credit for this not just this past season, the year before really dragging the, the 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 Las Vegas Raiders to the playoffs. I like the I like Carr. I like the quarterback. I just one or two, like you're saying. What are, what are you giving up? The you know the rumored compensation in in a trade before him getting released by the Raiders is said to be a third round pick. Yeah, so we, we can get to this first. And we have some context from Bobby and Bear from Sports Talk in a conversation with a Raiders reporter that I thought was intriguing. Um, but yeah, so the compensation, it is interesting because there's no set standard, right? Like there's no set value on a quarterback that a team's getting rid of. So like last year, Baker Mayfield was kind of in this situation and he got traded for next to nothing. But I don't think that's a good example because I do think there is a market for Derek Carr and there was not a market for Baker Mayfield for whatever reason, you know? And so if you want to look at trades that are probably more similar, you look at Matt Ryan, who got traded to the Colts. That was a third round pick that got sent back to Atlanta. And then you could look at Mar um, Carson Wentz getting traded to Washington, which when it happened, I was like, oh, he's going to get, he must've got traded for peanuts. But when you look back at it, they swapped second round picks and then Washington sent Indianapolis a 2022 third and a conditional 2023 third round pick that could have been a second round pick if Carson Wentz played enough, which he didn't. So it's a third round pick. So I think you split the difference there. That's where you're kind of looking at is the compensation should be in the range of a third round pick. And whether it's this year or next year, actually it has to be this year if it's a third because they don't have a third next year. So, you know, I, it's a good question. Is that worth the trade when you could go after him in free agency i would argue it is because you're not going to get a discount if you get to free agency he's going to be making in the range of 30 million dollars like look at what daniel jones is asking for with the giants like you're not going to get him cheaper than 30 million so if you want him and you just want to get it out of the way and not have interference from other teams i would say it's worth it yeah it's really interesting just because who else is out there um i haven't seen anything about Carr having another visit after New Orleans yet. But although, yeah, like the, the Saints haven't let him leave though either. So the connection there obviously feels like it's got to be pretty strong with Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, why the Saints are obviously number one on this, have put Carr in their forefront as their main target. They're clearly obviously all in on trying to get him. And if not by trade, if the – 
if he ends up do, does getting released, I think you're just doing getting even more notes and homework on him as a person from what you've from at least what Dennis Allen's known back when they drafted him with the Raiders. But you know where he is now and getting to know your staff here, kind of thing. It just seems like everything's going in the direction where we are seeing seeing one way or another via the trade or whether it comes from you know the Raiders re- end up releasing him which doesn't make sense of why they would let him go through all this anyway without without expecting to get something in return why would you trade away assets for something you know who is going to get released but I think it's to get that jump on other teams but the question is who are those other teams well I will say that I, I'm not convinced that they're necessarily all in which I think is how you phrased it like this is this is them kicking the tires and seeing if it's a worthwhile move. I guess that's fair wow. to say, right? Yeah, I mean, like, like yes, they brought him in, which means they are interested in the first place. And I think in order to talk to him at all, you would have had to, just like Sean Payton with the Saints, right? You would have had to tentatively agree with the Raiders that you're willing to send compensation if you do opt to go this way. And so that's what this conversation, this interview kind of process was about. Now, the thing is, the Raiders don't have a ton of leverage here because, and this was the same thing with Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr has a full no trade clause in his contract. And the way you've seen a lot of these trades play out in the last few years, if I'm signing a mega court, like a big contract with a team, that's, a, that's something I want in there because you see the once you get to the point where Derek Carr is at right now, you see the type of leverage you have by being able to veto any trade. And then be like, yeah, you know, cut me because I don't want to go anywhere that's willing to trade for me. So cut me. Now, I think Derek Carr is kind of in a situation where he feels like his contract is fair. And so if you can skip that process and just get right in, then I think, you know, it, it, it makes sense. But I saw a couple tweets that was like, oh, if the Saints are talking to him at all, that means that they're 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 agreed to give them something massive or whatever. And it's like, no, the, the fact that they're willing to give anything at all at this point, if you're the Raiders, is enough to get you to the table. Because, again, this time next week, he's going to be a free agent because you're not accepting that cap hit. So, yeah, I, I think it is interesting. But I'm not convinced that this is the, the route they're, they've decided to go. Like, that's what we're going to find out in the next few days. But either way, it's, it's, it is interesting. And the question then becomes, is he worth it? Is he good enough? to move the needle beyond where you're at right now with an Andy Dalton, with a Jameis Winston. And that's the better question, in my opinion, rather than like, you have, you know, you can pay him. They were going to pay Deshaun Watson. You can make the contract work. You know, you know, you have the, the assets to send if you need to. And so the question, the, the bigger question is, is he going to move the needle? And if the saints believe that, then that's all that that's all you need. Now I think it's, it's a more debatable conversation but it is that is kind of the question is do the saints does the coaching staff believe that he is going to move the needle enough for them to be able to make the playoffs and make a run at a super bowl and that's that's where you have to make that determination yeah you mentioned Jameis winston i don't even think we we got a real true evaluation of what he could even do in the saints uniform it was just too little because of injuries and back-to-back years it's just wild i think you got a true statement from the staff on what they think of Jameis and how like and if they were gonna go back to him this year you would have known that last year for in that respect like I don't have any question as to 
whether this team is considering going to Jameis because I don't think they are. Because if you were, you would have considered it last year, and it, that doesn't seem to be the case either. I'm sure he wants his shot, and I think that in this QB-starved market, I wouldn't be surprised if he did get a shot at least at a at a, at a job as a starter. I'm not saying you're not he's not going to be signed as the starter day one, but being brought in with that competition maybe with some young guy. But, I mean, who knows, like Indianapolis or... Oh, you mean in another team? Yeah, for sure, for Jameis. I'm curious if there is a market for him even out there. It didn't seem like there was last year. You know, I think the, but I do think the Colts were a team that, that did have interest. So if the Colts are still that team, because the Colts still need a quarterback, maybe, I don't know. But the, the conversation here is kind of, what does Derek Carr do? Where does he kind of stand? And I thought this conversation between Bobby and Hondo Carpenter, who's a Raiders reporter from Sports Talk this week, was uh, was was solid, and I think it gives you a little bit of insight. You know, Saints fans, who that nation will answer, uh, listen, Derek Carr, they have 32 starting quarterbacks. I'd say he's somewhere between 10 and 15, but it doesn't mean you're going to win anything. So, so what's mm-hmm. your take on that, that they might say, well, I think Derek Carr would want to be the guy. We're not going to win anything versus if you bring back like an Andy Dalton, and he's the bridge guy to a future young guy. Now, it's a crapshoot whether a young guy is going to work out or not, but uh, it kind of looks like the same song and dance where the Saints are at. They're not good enough, but they're not bad enough whether they had Andy Dalton or Derek Carr right now with their roster. Well, that's a really good point, and, but there's a couple of things I would, I would politely disagree with you on a little bit. Go back to last year's Raiders. They don't make the playoffs and go 10-6 and six without Derek Carr, and that team didn't have the talent that the saints do right now. And so I think that he, and he led that team this year under the Josh McDaniel system. He was under Josh's thumb. He wasn't able to do things um, the way they had done it the previous year. And the team suffered for that. So I think that's a, that's a legitimate disagreement with you there. I don't think he's Andy Dalton, but here's another one for much of Andy Dalton's career, I mean, look at, you know, who he's been able to be coached by with some consistency. Derek Carr's been here nine years and had six different coaches. So he's constantly changing and flipping systems and having to adjust. And I think you get him in a place like New Orleans where he's there, he's solid, they've got him there. I mean, you got a guy that's always going to be healthy, a guy that's going to deliver. I mean, he can make the touch passes. He's one of the leaders in NFL history over his career in fourth quarter comebacks. That's not because he's had good defense. I saw somewhere, I think it was yesterday, I saw that only one time in his nine years as a Raider coach was the Raider defense ever above 23rd in the entire league. So you're dealing with a guy that, yes, he's the NFL leader during his career in fourth quarter comebacks. It's because he's never had a defense. And again, he's going to come in, he's going to devour it. I think people are missing him and Dennis Allen have a tremendous relationship. So Dennis knows his character. Knows yeah, but, his they didn't win, but they didn't win nothing, huh, though, with the Raiders. Uh, yeah, Dennis right. Allen, and, uh, come on. That's what fans are going to say. Oh, yeah, because it anything. and also, too, was Derek's rookie season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying they've maintained a relationship. I got so you. I've had, I was, on, I was on another show earlier today, and they go, well, why does that even matter? He doesn't know anybody. Well, Bobby, you were coached by a lot of people that maybe didn't right. coach you a long time, but you kept relationship with. And I think Dennis Allen is able to go to the organization and say, listen, if you don't want him or you do want him, that's your decision. But here's what I know about his work. 
here's what I know about what he's going to do to help other players. And I think when you look at the Saints objectively, and I'm and and I can be because I don't cover them. I just watch them from a distance. Obviously, you guys know from my previous interviews, got a ton of family in New Orleans, but watching them. If there's one thing I think's been missing when you lost, when you lose a Drew Brees, and then you lose a Sean Payton, is you didn't see a guy last year who was putting his arms around people and coaching on the field. I thought that was I, you know, I watched probably eight or nine of your games, and there were times I was thinking, man, they need a field general, they need that guy. One of the things that he brought up that I think gets lost when you kind of just look at, okay, here's the year over year stats, and here is what does Derek Carr do better than Andy Dalton? And well, one of the things he does definitely have in his repertoire is kind of clutch moments, right? Like I could go back and I could look at every game that Andy Dalton played last year. And there was no moment where I was like, oh, he's going to go win this game right now. Right. You were trying to maintain with Andy. You were trying to get a lead and then let the defense take it. And in some instances, you just need the quarterback to go win a game. Right. And and that was not what I expected out of Andy Dalton at any point last season. And so, like, if, if you're trying to sell me on Derek Carr, that's probably where you're going to do it is look at some of these clutch performances he's had. Look at some of the shootouts he's had against Pat Mahomes in his career. And and I think that's where you can probably find a bit of an edge. You, you look this year, too. Who did he have to throw to besides Devontae Adams? He he had a situation where it's a pretty good option, though. Oh, absolutely, and uh, they had a great hookup together, but, you know, with Waller being hurt, Renfro, they definitely struggled. I I know that defense is just abysmal. Uh, I'd be excited to have Derek Carr go from silver and black to black and gold. I think he'd be uh, obviously an upgrade over what we saw this past year with Andy Dalton. The question is, I know it comes down to to the financials, the money, obviously, and to me, you have to get into that tier that that different tier where I think that yes Derek Carr is is a is a a better option to go to than and Andy Dalton and if you want to compete and be that number one team in the NFC South this coming year I think with with a guy like Carr leading the way you obviously ascend to that talked about number one option at least it's it's at least perceived just because you're bringing him and I think in that division you're already the favorite to take it already next year's season. Yeah, yeah. See, the, the only thing I'll disagree with is I don't think the price tag is really a determining factor in this conversation as far as the Saints are concerned. Now, e- even with the money crap that they're dealing with, no, it's it's gonna. The question is whether you see him being good enough to just to to be your next quarterback. If he is that, then you're gonna find a way to to make that money work, and you know you can do it. The question is not. It, that that's not going to be what determines this situation. They're not going to be like, well, we think Andy is is okay, and we can pay this much versus he is okay plus eighty percent, and but it's only worth ten million, not twenty. It's that's not how you make decisions at quarterback. And if they were making a decision on that logic, I would say that's that's a poor way to go about it. Because the question is, is he the quarterback? Is he the guy, or is he not? I feel the same way about the draft, right? Like you can go draft a project, but if you're trying to get a starting quarterback in the NFL, you're going to pay it either way, right? Like I'm, I'm tired of seeing a team try to take discounts at quarterback. 
Like you're, you're going to go pay a quarterback. And it, the question is whether he is or not. The other options out there, I mean, I'm sure you know too, you, you look at the free agent quarterback market is not very sexy. No, and, and the guys like Daniel Jones are going to be asking for $36 million. So there's nothing about that contract that Derek Carr has that is out of step with the top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL. The question you have to answer is whether Derek Carr is one of them. And if you believe he is, then, it, then it's worth the money. But that's that's where I stand on it. Like like we can we can talk about thirty million versus twenty million versus ten million all we want. It's the question is about talent, not about money. The thing I worry about though with the Saints is where are they getting this money when you see, you know, there's reports of them being in cap hell and I know we laugh about it and it's like, oh, they, they find always a way to massage the numbers, but it just how how long can you really keep kicking the can down the line, so to speak? Eternally. Until like the until the league ends, like you can you can go forever. Like that's that question always annoys me. It's like yes, you can do it forever. There's nothing stopping you besides your own desire to do it. Now I think they're still recovering from the global pandemic that threw a wrench into everything, right? Like that that really messed with their long term kind of projections. But this is a team that's willing to just keep resetting and resetting and resetting. What Mickey Loomis said is, yeah, we're trying to manage this to the middle. And I think that's where you make those decisions. But you make those decisions elsewhere. You do not do it at quarterback if you're a team that's trying to contend and win. And I think they are. But let's let's wrap up that segment there and we'll come back. And I want to talk more about what type of quarterback the Saints are actually looking for. And we talked to Jeff Ireland at the Senior Bowl and he gave us some interesting insight into that. And, you know, we'll also kind of recap what's happened lately with the coaching staff because the coaching staff is also a big part of which quarterback you're bringing in, right? Your quarterback's coach is currently getting interviewed for offensive coordinator jobs. Wouldn't that be a factor in the quarterback you're bringing in? We're going to talk about that. So stick around on Inside Life. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. This is our Thursday live edition. So if I forget to edit out any of these stumbles, and this is you're listening to this on a podcast, I apologize. I haven't had a lot of coffee today. But, you know, we're going to get into more about Derek Carr, also the coaching hijinks that have occurred. And so, Steve, I guess I, guess I don't think I've asked you this straight up. Would you trade for Derek Carr if he were the Saints? The option of a third-round pick would have to be knocked down a few pegs for me because knowing that in not even a week this guy's going to be released by you because you're not paying that 40 million dollars that's going to be guaranteed I just I can't imagine if if they really want something I'll give you a fifth or a sixth rounder so so wait I'm not gonna let you sidestep this assume they're willing to let you trade whatever you want would you trade for Derek Carr absolutely okay I would definitely want I would de- I want Derek Carr as my starting quarterback. I think that you know over overall in the, in the league right now, and you see, like I said, if you look at what's going to be available <laughs> in the free agent market, um, the the dream of Lamar Jackson I know is still out there, kind of thing, being able to trade for him. But I think that you have this uh, a guy that's in that middle range tier of a quarterback I'm not going to say he's an upper echelon elite QB in the NFL but but to me I think he can win you games because he has he's a, his ability to to push the ball down the field he's got accuracy 
Uh, I'm, I'd be curious to see him, I guess, quote unquote, reunited with Dennis Allen and see, yeah, what, what, what could they do and get done? What, what he had vision, obviously drafting him as the franchise quarterback, but then just being sucked out of there after four games. The great offensive mind that we know Dennis Allen to be. <laughs> I, I would think, I would think though that he would have to have as the head coach when defensive coordinator or not, I, I I just think you have to have, there's got to be that tight relationship, I feel like, with the QB and head coach. It's got to be like peanut butter and jelly. You got to trust them. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you're not going to have a lot of options when it comes to, like, making decisions on, on game days in terms of the offense when you're leading the defense, but you have to trust them. And I think that's where if you're Derek Carr and you're Dennis Allen and Dennis Allen says, I trust this guy, and you say, okay, Pete, can you? Do you think he's he's the guy? And he says yes, and then you go from there. Um, I, I do think it's a good question because is he a top six guy? Probably not. Is he a top ten guy? Yes. And I guess the question is, do you need to be a top six guy to win, or can you win as a top ten quarterback with the right pieces in the right system? I, I think that's that's the question. That you have to that you have to figure out. Well, and then you could say, do the right pieces in the right system turn a ten into a three? It's a Miami two. That's an inside joke that no one's going to get. But uh, we'll we'll move on. If we have time at the end, maybe I'll get into it. But yeah, so so I think that's that's where you kind of have to figure it out because people. I think one of the things that annoys me about a lot of the criticism of decisions around quarterbacks and signings and draft picks is this idea that there is a right choice and a wrong choice. And in reality, there are dozens and dozens of potentially right choices and dozens and dozens of potentially wrong choices. It's just, okay, what's the best option for me right now? And how can I maximize this right now? And that's why, you know, when we talked to Jeff Ireland at the Senior Bowl, we asked him kind of what traits he looks for in quarterbacks. And I thought his answer was interesting because if you kind of base his answer against the reality of what ha- what has happened with the Saints his, his entire tenure, it, it doesn't seem to line up. Quarterbacking is, is one of those positions where it's an all-in evaluation. It's not just me as the college director. It's not just the coach as a head coach. It's an all-in. We're all looking for a very consistent evaluation on the quarterback position. We have to all be in on on that particular evaluation and say, hey, yeah, we all want this guy. So whether he's a running running quarterback, you know, a, a, a dual threat quarterback, I mean, ideally, if you're asking me directly, I like the dual threat quarterbacks, uh, but they got to be able to throw when they're hurt. You know, you know, so when they can't when they can't move their legs, they got to be able to throw. But I do like the dual threats guys. Have you ever looked at a Saints quarterback room and been like amazed at all the dual threat guys not named Taysom Hill? Like that's that's the interesting thing to me about those comments is so your scouting director, your college scouting director, really likes dual threat quarterbacks, but this is a team that has always seemed to end up with statuesque quarterbacks on on game day. Now you're not going to argue with Drew Brees, right? But you are going to look at the last two years and say, well, why haven't we prioritized dual threat quarterbacks if our scouting director is saying that? Dual threat quarterbacks are the way to go. I, I think that's interesting, and it does kind of show you the disconnect between the scouting department and like what do I think I can win with on game day. No, you you don't think of Jameis obviously, Teddy Bridgewater as these. You know, I'm thinking just. I wouldn't, be- I wouldn't call them dual threats. Like they can move. They're not. They're not slow. Or well, I take that back. Jameis is a little slow, but like they they can they can run. 
it's really just a question of like, like they are not guys you call designed runs for. Let's put it that way. I think that's a good way to kind of delineate between a dual threat and a, you know, just, you know, pocket passer type quarterback is do you ever call designed runs? And if the answer is no, it is not a dual threat quarterback. No, we, and we, yeah, like you said, besides the name Taysom Hill, we have not seen that. But I do think it's interesting. And now you have this question about, okay, are you going to trade for Derek Carr? Also not a dual threat guy, but I do think that when you look, when you're trying, so we talked about the fourth quarter comebacks thing. And I think that is a real metric that you want to look at when you're deciding on a quarterback, because a guy who can get the ball down four with two and a half minutes and go down and win a game. I don't care what the stats say. Like that's a skill in and of itself, right? Like you, you can see Tom Brady just mess around for three and a half quarters of a football game. And then, you know, the rubber hits the road and he is a different guy and he goes and wins that game. I think you have seen Derek Carr be that guy in moments. And it's one of the reasons that I think you watch Derek Carr. And I, and I say this for myself personally, like I've watched Derek Carr play. The game, uh, the Raiders and the Chargers last year where he was just dueling with Justin Herbert. Like you watch games like that and you're like, man, this guy's really good. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, he just has middling statistics. And I think that's why, because the way he does it is a little different. Whereas like, you know, Jameis one of one will love me for pointing this out. A vast majority of Andy Dalton's stats came in garbage time. And like it's hard to just look at the numbers and delineate, okay, what, when did this game actually matter? What were these stats accumulated when you were within three points, when you were extending a lead or were they accumulated when you were down two touchdowns in Arizona? Cause that's where a lot of Andy Dolan's best game was in Arizona. When, when a majority of that game, they were down two plus scores and had already thrown two pick sixes. Like, that's a big chunk of Andy Dalton's stats from this year. And I know that because he won me a fantasy matchup that week. So that's one part of it. The other part of it that I think people are are taking for granted is, while Derek Carr's athleticism might not be something you think about right off the bat, compared to Andy Dalton, he might as well be an Olympic sprinter. Like, he's not a guy who's going to run for a ton of yards, but he's going to extend plays athletically and give you a chance to succeed on plays that don't work perfectly from, from a blocking perspective. And that is something the saints did not have this past season. If the blocking didn't hold up, you were shot. And, and I think that's something that you can look at and say, yes, Derek Carr does give you a bit more from an athletic profile profile perspective to, to kind of make you make that determination. Am I, am, am I crazy to think that, oh my goodness, okay, you get Derek Carr, quarterback, the possibility, is there still, of retaining Michael Thomas? I, I, I mean, I know we saw this restructured contract and a lot of speculation was to be that it was him being on the way out kind of deal, but just to think of now in dreamland here, picturing Derek Carr throwing to Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Olave and then you have also a guy like Rashid Shahid with Alvin Kamara, hopefully for some games this season, and Taysom Hill. Just the the, the offense around him, it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting to think about. I think at least heading in as a Week One offense. From a contract perspective, I would say no. From Michael Thomas, yes. And the reason being is like while I say in the past segment, like you can make the money work with Andy Dalton. I'm sorry, with Derek Carr, it will make things more complicated and bringing back Michael Thomas with his contract the way it is right now 
would just not work. Yeah, you know, like you're gonna have to find ways to create money, and that would be a way. Like the reason his contract is structured the way it is is because he's gonna, you know, you're gonna you're gonna let him go, and like he reduced his salary down to one million dollars, and in doing that, like he put a poison pill in there, which is like another thirty million dollar bonus if he's on the contract, or if he's under, if he's on the team next year. So I don't think that's gonna gonna happen. Now maybe you can come to terms and like bring him back on a on a on a different deal, but. I, I don't know. Like he would have to really want to play with Derek Carr, I think, and and really be motivated to make that happen. And and I'm, maybe maybe he is, but I don't I don't necessarily see that. Now, just to kind of double down on this athletic profile thing, and and granted, and I appreciate that he's 31 years old now, right? Derek Carr is, and his combine numbers do not reflect his athleticism currently. Like he's dealt with some injuries, and that's slowed him down a little bit. But like. I, I would imagine that when I say that people are looking at me with like, I have two heads with like, he was never that athletic and like, you're wrong <laughs> because if you go back to the combine, this dude ran a four, six, nine 40. That's fast. Like that's good speed. Like that's good athleticism for a quarterback. And it's like, he, he kind of is this like kind of like dorky looking guy. And like, you wouldn't assume that he's out there like, like spinning the wheels like he was, but like, for example, I went through and I looked up the 40 times of all the NFL quarterbacks, or at least the majority of them that I could find. Not everyone ran the 40, but 469, there was only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven current starting quarterbacks that ran faster than him at their combine. The fastest was Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Geno Smith. They all ran four, five, nines. So like even that, it's like not, not blowing them away. Right. So the others, Josh Allen, four, six, two, Ryan Tannehill, who was a wide receiver in college. And then he switched to quarterback his senior season, four, six, five, Deshaun Watson, four, six, six, Justin Herbert, four, six, eight. So you put Derek Carr at four, six, nine. Like that's right. Like that's right there. Like that is legitimate athleticism at the quarterback position. Lamar didn't run. Lamar did not run a 40. The, the only time 40 I could find for him was in like prep. And he ran like a four seven seven, but like that's not fair. Like I'm not gonna say he has a four seven seven forty because there's just no way. Like maybe when he was 16 years old, he ran a four seven seven. But yeah, and so like that would tell you that there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that would be considered kind of dual threat quarterbacks that ran a much slower 40 time. You know who has the slowest 40 time I could find of uh, all the quarterbacks that I that I like had listed 40s that like participated in the combine? Can you guess who it is? Like of current quarterbacks of all time. Of non-retired quarterbacks. Now, Tom Brady is the answer when he is in the NFL cuz he has the most hilarious 40 time of 5.28, which is like a third of a second slower than anyone else I could find on this list. It's just kind of hilarious. I guess I'll go Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. 493. Pretty slow, but not the slowest. Who 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 beats him? Jameis Winston. <laughs> no. Yeah. Which surprised me. Like, I don't think of Jameis Winston as kind of a slow guy. Cause he and he does move pretty well, but he did he has the slowest 40 of anyone that I found currently. And and it's not really fair because there are backups that you know, probably ran slower times. I don't know. I looked him up because he's on the Saints and he's just kind of an outlier on this list. But he ran a 497, which is really slow. And it's and honestly, it's it's telling of how good he was in college and how enamored everyone was with, with was with his, his skill set that like they just looked past 
like a five second 40. Uh, like Tom Brady went in the sixth round. Like he had a five two eight, but he went in the sixth round. Jameis was number one overall. So I think that tells you just how good he was in college. I was going to say, yeah, and it doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. And obviously, too, you know, he was such a skilled pitcher in, in college as well. It's it's pretty amazing that, you know, you wouldn't think he'd he'd register higher in the speed category as with his feet when obviously his his arms are doing good. He stole home plate in a game when he was at Florida State. Maybe he just did had a bad day. I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't he didn't get good sleep. The second slowest on this list. Can you guess who it is? He's tied with Kirk Cousins. Started 14 games last season. I was going to say Tannehill. No, Andy Dalton. <laughs> 493. <laughs> so that's and that's what's funny to me is Jeff Ireland is out there saying I want dual threat quarterbacks. I like dual threat quarterbacks and the Saints last year employed two of the slowest quarterbacks in the NFL and then Taysom Hill. Yeah, and Taysom Hill ran a 4-4. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. Like he he ran like he and he and Justin Fields uh ran 4-4. And so like that's that's a that's not a dual threat quarterback, that's a running back. But I do think it's interesting. And like 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 guys, Derek Carr ran a faster 40 then. What was what was Ian Book's 40? He had a fast 40. I think it was like 4.59. Let's see. I look it up. I remember tweeting about it. Yeah, he ran a 4.59. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, Derek Carr ran a faster 40 then. So, Jeff Ireland was all in on Ian Book right there. Yeah. So, Derek Carr ran a 4.69. So, Brock Purdy, 4.84. Daniel Jones, who I would, I would classify as a dual threat quarterback easily, 4.81. So, that's significantly slower. Matt Stafford, slow guy, 481. Pat Mahomes, 48. Dak Prescott, 479. Aaron Rodgers, 475. Kenny Pickett, 473. I just thought it was interesting. And like when you look at, and, and I think to me, that is one of the elements that is kind of an intangible that you can't really measure when you're watching a guy play where he's able to create when nothing is there, where he's able to create when things break down. And he might not be the best in the NFL at it, right? He, I mean, he he might be the worst of the quarterbacks that you can trust to make guys miss, but he is on that list. And I've I had someone say this to me, and I think it's telling, or I think it's an accurate way to look at it is the twelfth best quarterback in the NFL isn't doesn't sound like a great thing until you don't have a top twelve quarterback, and then it's like the stuff you dream about. And I think that's what Derek Carr is. I think he's a top twelve quarterback. Is he number twelve? Maybe. But he's a top 12 guy. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And it's like, if you have a top third quarterback in the NFL, that's probably worth quarterback money. And that's what you're paying. And um, that, that's kind of just where I am with it. And that's, that's kind of the, the research I've done over the last couple of days. Where I'm trying to decide whether this is actually worth the deal. And I think I've landed on the side of like, I think he does enough that it, it would make sense for the Saints to bring him in if they can. Yeah, what's amazing to me, though, is how many people that I've been hearing, even... With WWL, like Bobby, Mike, that the Saints, you know, making this move may not be the best thing because they don't feel like the team's that one piece away from getting back to a championship. And like I said, to me, though, bringing at least Carr in right now, as of right now, you would be the favorite in the NFC South. And Obviously, you win the NFC South, you get a ticket to the big show, the big dance, whatever you want to call it, and that that ticket is for that chance at the Lombardi. So you are, quote-unquote, a contender then. 
right? You gotta, you gotta get there to, to, to win. Right. And so that's gotta be the first step. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Bobby is just an Andy Dalton lifer. Um, he's always going to be on the Andy Dalton train. Uh, so you got to take that for what it is. And he, he brings up good points. I mean, it's a good question. It's like, are you really going to spend 30 million on a guy if he's not going to raise your level significantly enough to, to be a Super Bowl contender? And that's the question you have to answer. I've said this like five times already, but it's like, if, if your answer on that is yes, he does. And that's where you go. Now, fans might not agree with that. Right. And that's where we kind of get into the there are there are levels of right and wrong decisions. Um, but I, I do think that the coaching staff and like there's still questions around the coaching staff that you have on this roster is going to be a big determining factor if over the next like week or so. Like, I guess a question, too, is like, do you do, would you rather have a Jimmy Garoppolo? Would you rather have a Baker Mayfield? Whoever you do happen to land in the draft, if you do go quarterback, you, you can't think that they're going to be the quarter the, your starter week one. And you would think there's going to have to be that that learning curve, obviously. So there's going to be the quote-unquote bridge quarterback, which we've talked about. Now, do you, if you expect to go that route, I understand then bringing back Andy Dalton over going this route. If, you, if you're going Derek Carr, this is no bridge guy. The, the issue I have, and people keep saying bridge, is like you can only call it a bridge if the guy on the other side of the bridge is like a sure thing. Like... Uh, Andy Dalton was a bridge to Justin Fields, right? Like, like you knew that it was going to be Justin Fields' job eventually. It was just a question of how long it took. Well, we've been waiting for Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well right. And so Trey Lance is hurt, but he was going to be that guy, and it was always going to be that guy, right? Like, there was no question over whether it was ever going to be that guy. You could draft Hendon Hooker, and he's a project. So you're not sure whether in two years he's going to be ready to start. And you don't have a draft pick high enough to go get a guy that you can for sure say there's a, there's some, like you have to, it has to be worth building a bridge too. And you're not going to, you're not going to just kind of tank two years in the process and hope. But I, I do think it's, I do think it's a good question. And I, I think that Derek Carr could be a bridge guy and it's like, okay, you have three years. That's a, that's a bridge. Like, I mean, that's a successful bridge. And it gives you time to go draft a guy and maybe develop him. And then by the time Derek Carr's contract is done, then, okay, maybe maybe you draft him to Hooker. And then, yeah, okay, yeah, he's ready, right? Like Alex Smith is the best example I can think of. But, like, you, you drafted Pat Mahomes. That, and that the way they played that in Kansas City, that seems to be, like, the most optimal scenario that played out. Um, even better than, I guess you would say, the transfer from, you know, Favre, going into the Aaron Rodgers error just because it was a lot smoother. Yeah, that got, that got awkward. <laughs> right. It, it, but the, so the difference being Alex Smith was always going to be gone. It was just a question of when. Brett Favre was kind of playing this, am I going to retire? Am I not going to retire game? It's what the same thing Drew did. And it makes it more complicated because your timeline is not set. Right? Like Alex Smith was never that guy where you're like, oh, if he comes back, we have to take him back. It's like, no, he's he's... You know, get go trade him. He's gonna head up on Washington, um, but yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of waffling here, but I'm just not convinced that if you're gonna take a quarterback at number forty, he's a four. Like you would have to take a quarterback at forty if you trade a third round pick, and then it's like, okay, you're gonna take a guy in the fourth round, and then then you're gonna pretend that he's for sure gonna be your quarterback in two years. Like that that doesn't add up to me. No, if if you're truly investing in that position, it's 
you would think it would be an, an, an early round pick, obviously. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, or you're taking someone at 29, right? But if you're trading for Derek Carr and then taking a quarterback at 29, it would really feel like a tough use of your assets. Um, and you would have a hard time convincing me you are maximizing your assets. For sure. When we know that there's so many other things that need to be addressed from, you know, tight end, offensive line. I actually think the offensive line is in decent shape. You just need an interior lineman. But yeah, there's 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 things you, you could you could definitely shore up, no question. You know that pick twenty nine when it comes on the clock and the the offensive lineman comes off the board that fans are just gonna be pissed as usual. Everyone's gonna lose their minds. All right, but since I promised it, other things that need to be addressed. So just go through the coaching staff right now and how it's kind of shaped up and like who's been interviewed, what's still available, right? So on the offensive side of the ball, Pete Carmichael, obviously offensive coordinator. Doug Marone is the offensive line coach. Joel Thomas is is the running backs coach. Cody Burns is the wide receivers coach. Those guys are all back. Nothing changed there. You might be able to argue that they should have at one or more positions, but hey, I digress. Um, The other coaches, Ronald Curry, QBs, that is the biggest domino question mark in my opinion right now because if he gets hired by the Bucs, if he gets hired by the Broncos, I don't know what you do at quarterbacks coach and you definitely just lost a very valuable asset in your room. And that was always my biggest criticism of keeping Pete Carmichael at the offensive coordinator role is Ronald Curry, I think, has deserves a chance to, to lead an offense. And by keeping Pete Carmichael, you're you're probably going to lose Ronald Curry. Yeah, I'm curious to know like how much of a relationship him and Peyton have, obviously, because that seems, you know, it just, it just seems like a good fit. Obvi- uh, he, he, and it's kind of like taking away, you know, from the Saints and Pete Carmichael. It's like Carmichael 2.0 for him, essentially, kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Sean hired him, so like they they obviously have a better connection than Dennis Allen and he would, but maybe he and Pete Carmichael have a good connection. I don't know, but it does. And I tweeted this, and this is kind of just my my galaxy brain working. But it's like, doesn't it kind of feel like the Saints kind of jammed up Sean by keeping Pete Carmichael? So he responded by saying like, "Oh, I'll take everybody else." And and I say that so Ronald Curry getting interviewed. He also interviewed Declan Doyle, who's a Saints assistant, for to be the potential Broncos tight ends coach and that's significant to me because the Saints one of the positions they have open is tight ends coach and run game coordinator after firing Dan Roshar so Declan Doyle also went out and coached tight ends at the senior bowl and the Saints kind of decided what they were going to nominate him for so it would seem to me that the Saints are kind of grooming him to be the tight ends coach and I wonder if what's happening now and you've kind of had this kind of freeze in terms of hearing about it is He's kind of deciding whether he wants to be with the Saints or the Broncos. And it might be, yeah, definitely a case then with, you know, Peyton and the Broncos coming after him, you know, trying to entice, kind of pushes that promotion to get, you know, to get done with the Saints. So Sean helping him make more money. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was all a ruse that he cooked up with Sean to to leverage. Yeah, yeah, I need this raise. Please help me out, coach. Yeah, give me more money. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, so yeah. So a couple others. Kevin Petrie is an assistant. He's been there for five years. Sean offered him a job. He turned it down. He's staying with the Saints. So that's a good thing for the Saints. Then DJ Williams, Bob Bicknell is still around. The other question is: So Zach Streif reportedly went. He's going to go to the Broncos to be the OL coach. 
Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com says it's not a done deal. I don't know. Kind of sounds like it is. But the question beyond that would be, do you fill that job at all? I would guess they do. And if you look at the team's website, Zach's picture's not there. Oh, is it not? Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that tells you all you need to know. Because they also took Corey Robertson off of... I'm sorry, Corey Robinson off of the defensive side, and he let his contract expire. So, they're not waiting around. They're taking pictures off. So, I think that's a pretty good indicator that Streif is, Streif is gone. So, yeah, shifting over to the defense, obviously, Dennis Allen's the head coach, and he's de facto defensive coordinator, if you will. Like, he's going to be the, de- the top dog on the defense. But then under him... Joe Woods, we talked a lot about him. Don't need to go any more on that. Then Michael Hodges is still there at linebacker. Sterling Moore, Jordan Trailer, and Peter Junta are still the assistants. And then the news from this week, this past few weeks, is Todd Grantham was hired as what we assume is the defensive line coach. And then Marcus Robertson, who was the Cardinals defensive backs coach and was also the assistant defensive backs coach with the Raiders in 2014 under Joe Woods, has reportedly been hired one would assume to be the secondary coach for the saints so that kind of shores up all of that except for do you hire an assistant defensive backs coach which i would guess you don't because you now have a secondary guy in joe woods and a secondary coach in marcus robertson that kind of probably fills that need so we're the new orleans raiders yep the new orleans 2014 raiders to be specific. If we get if the Saints end up landing Derek Carr, that really emphasizes that too. But yes, right, right, another guy. Um, but yeah, so realistically speaking, the biggest position you're still looking at is tight ends coach and run game coordinator. Now, that doesn't have to be the same guy. You could have Joel Thomas be the run game coordinator, right, because he's the running backs coach, for example. Um, but yeah, so I think that's where you're looking at is maybe Declan steps in there. But otherwise, I think your coaching staff is pretty much set. So at least that's one hurdle cleared and you're just kind of waiting to see what happens with RC. Yeah, and it, it's really been a wild start to the offseason. And like I said, te- technically, we're not really even into the quote-unquote offseason of thing. Nope, but now we can now we can start talking about what, how much we hate those coaches ex- uh, uh, as opposed to who they are. So that's always nice. But yeah, let's wrap up that segment and we'll have a mailbag coming back there's a lot of comments in there, so it's going to be a more extended break than normal. So I can go through and kind of highlight the, the ones to bring back. Um, so stick around. We will be back. This is Inside Black and Gold. Here at Inside Black and Gold, one more segment coming at you. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear about in the next few episodes, which hopefully will not include as much breaking news, but hey, they definitely will. At Jeff Nowak, I'm sorry, at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. And this is going to be the mailbag. And we are going to dive in head first. This is 504 Company. I assume that's what the CO stands for says, yes, get Carr without giving up a pick and still draft Hendon Hooker at 29 or 40. Be smart and patient, Mickey. And that's, and that's the question I think that, that a lot of people will debate is whether it is worth trading for Derek Carr when you know that you could just go sign him as a free agent in a couple weeks when the, bar, when the Raiders definitely cut him. Now, 
what you can't guarantee is no other team would trade for him. And I think that's where it's like, it really comes down to whether you want him as your quarterback or not, because I don't think you can go half in on a quarterback. I don't think successful teams do that. Um, But what do you think, Steve? No, this is very interesting right now because obviously to me, I feel like the Saints are making it uh, known how interested obviously they are with him, hosting him, you know, keeping him another day. And if nothing else, I just think it's a huge positive to build up that relationship if it comes down to him getting released and then you're amongst all those other teams now in that bidding war, you at least have that established relationship that's fresh with Carr already. Yeah, and that's who that dude brought that up. It's like, yes, if you if he gets the free agency, then you're at the mercy of whatever the market develops. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it is like, I don't think you're going to get a discount in free agency, but you do have a much more complicated road to potentially signing him than if you're able to trade for him and have him agree with it. So I, I think that's where, like, I think if you can make a trade for a reasonable asset, you know, I, ideally maybe even less than a third rounder because the Raiders aren't going to have a lot of leverage. And if you're the only team at the table, maybe you can get away with something cheaper like the Panthers did with the Baker Mayfield last year because I don't think anyone wanted Baker and the Panthers were just happy to get something for him. And I think the Raiders could end up in that situation too. Who that dude also points out for Derek Carr last night was wine and dine day. Today was the meetings. And I think that's probably what was happening, right? Like they had a, a long dinner and then today is where they kind of get into it. But we'll, we'll see. So here's another one. And he's responding to who dat dude and says, I hear you. If he doesn't choose us in free agency, then you move on to the next option. I would not lose any sleep if we don't get him. But I mean, like if that's where you're at, if you're only half in, then you don't sign him, right? Then you move on and you go somewhere else. Um, but like that's that's the determination, right? I don't think the Saints are going to be like, well, let's see what happens. Either you go for it or you don't. Yeah, I think we saw that with them, how close they really were with Deshaun Watson last year. They were pretty aggressive. And this this obviously, you know, them coming out and being first on board here. Although who knows? Maybe, maybe we're getting all played too. Are there no other suitors for Derek Carr that that might be interested in sending a draft pick their way? If not, that really helps the Saints chances of just you know a sixth or seventh rounder to you kind of deal yeah and 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 the thing is too like if Derek Carr really does want to come here he could help the Saints in that kind of process by saying I only want to go there I'll veto it anywhere else right so if you can get in good with Derek right now and say hey if you go back and tell the Raiders that you will veto any trade to a destination that is not New Orleans, then, uh, hey, maybe uh, maybe that's a fourth rounder. Maybe that's a fifth rounder. Because at that point, the Raiders don't have leverage at all. And so that's that's going to benefit. And like, again, like I said, like if I'm a quarterback and I'm signing a deal, I'm si- like if it's a question of like a couple million dollars versus a no trade clause, I am putting a no trade clause in there 100% of the time. To me, you know, you're looking at uh, no question for a lot of folks is is Derek Carr really worth it? It's like what what other quarterbacks are honestly going to be available to you? And I know Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the tip of everyone's tongue of probably on that elite scale end, but I don't I don't think he's coming to New Orleans. 
Yeah, and I don't. And the Packers have already kind of said they're not going to trade him within the NFC, so I think that's going to be a tough one. Luis Lockett here says, could we swap Jameis Winston for Derek Carr? I mean, I doubt it, but that's interesting, right? Maybe that does help you if the Raiders are interested in Jameis and you can include him in that trade. And, you know, maybe it does kind of helps both sides, right? And it gives Jameis a place where he could potentially start. I think it would, I think the Saints would still owe a good chunk of his salary because it's dead money. Um, but maybe that would help not have to send back as much. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's interesting. I like that. I like that fit. Here's Mookie twelve thirteen before garbage. McDaniels got to the Raiders from 28 to tw- 2018 to 2021 Carr had a 67% completion percentage, 4,000 yards each year. Carr is two and over Drew Brees and Sean Payton, but he's 0 one against Dennis Allen. <laughs> that last part was me. Uh, he's averaging zero points per game against the Dennis Allen defense. Um, you know, I, I do think that he struggled this year. Yeah, he didn't have his best year. In the perfect conditions of the Superdome, we saw him score zero points. No, and, and I think you're going to look at this and be like, well, he his numbers were on par with Andy Dalton. But it's like you're not hoping for the Derek Carr. Like you're not trading for the Derek Carr you saw last year in, in Vegas. And the idea that you can get the previous version is, is has to be what you're going after. Cause yes, he did struggle last year. The Raiders were bad last year. And so you're kind of projecting more so than, than just going based off straight numbers. You have to be, otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. Um, I will definitely stick up for him with a, you know, a, a terrible offensive line. And the fact that a, a lot of his, for most of the year, he didn't have two top targets. And I know you could say that for the, the saints had issues with that too, but you know what I mean? Here's a here's a funny one. It says this is Data Sans number one, I think. D A D A maybe. Maybe he's a big D A fan. I don't know. Uh Defense Against the Dark Arts. <laughs> it says Saints sorry, Saints shouldn't act like they're too good for car, mess around, and get Cooper Rush as your QB. Yeah, like I said, you look at that veteran that free agent market for QBs, it is not sexy out there. No, and, and it's like at a certain point you're you're just saying, okay, we're gonna, we're not gonna be competitive this season, and that's where you would be if you end up with the Cooper Rush, right? And that that's an injustice to this roster, who I think has obviously there's still some missing things, obviously for the Saints, but there's still top tier talent up and down the board here that people would die for. Yeah, this team isn't built to tank, and in order to tank, you would have to sell off. A, like if you're going to just resign yourself to the fact that you're going to be a top picking top five in the draft, like the Texans did this year, then you would have to make moves to accommodate that. And you're not going to do that. So you do have to kind of be aggressive in, in how you bring in a quarterback because otherwise you're just, yeah, otherwise you're, you're in the middle and you're, you're trying to play both sides and you can't do that. Like and not if you want to be a contending team. No. And I think I really do believe that uh, uh, adding a guy like Carr makes you above average. You're not middle of the pack with Derek Carr. I think the jury's still out on that, but like I think you're at least taking a swing. And going back, going back to Andy Dalton would be at best a bunt. Like maybe you get to first base, right? Like maybe in this in this analogy, first base is not sexual. It's the playoffs and the wild card round. Like maybe you get there. But like that's all you're that's all you're really hoping for. And so like 
yeah, maybe maybe you take a swing. This is a long form metaphor here. But you take a swing and you just whiff completely, right? You take a swing and you just hit a line drive back to the pitcher's mound, but at least you're swinging, right? Like two outs in the bottom of the ninth, I'm not bunting. But hey, <laughs> that's that's me. But it, but it, sometimes they have the shift on, and a bunt down the third baseline is a guaranteed hit. I don't know. This metaphor is kind of going off the rails. Either way, I think that's that's where I would I want to see a team that's gonna take swings, and and that's just not what Andy Dalton is. No, and hey, man, they they took a big swing and missed last year with who? Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that was a swing. I'd like to see them at least swinging. Now, I was okay with not getting Deshaun Watson, but yes, exactly. Good point. You have just forced me back into my metaphor, my analogy here. Um, yes, yes. Like, this is a team that wants to take swings, and I think they're going to keep doing it, and so that's what this is. They might have choked up on the bat a little, you know? A little bit, but you know what? Hey, the quality of person and the injury history of Derek Carr is pretty immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's available. I think that's something that Hondo said. And it's true. Like he's available and uh, that's, that's a good thing that, that you can't hold that against. Him. Well, I'm just saying too, also, also with the character issue, you know, you know, he's a, he's a pretty squeaky clean guy. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's come out in that front, right? Like that's, that's a positive thing, right? Like trading for Aaron Rodgers, you have to deal with Aaron Rodgers. Right, like I haven't ever heard anything about Derek Carr that makes that makes you be like, ah, you know, some kind of dark retreat he's heading on. Supposedly, he told Aaron. Yeah, yeah, he's on like a darkness retreat. Freaking weirdo. Hey man, if it if it helps you, sure. Five hundred four, Kogan. You got to get Carr another wide receiver, either via the draft or free agency, or bring Mike back. It's a good point. I do think you have to do something at wide receiver, even if you you know, I because you're assuming you move on from Mike. And so you do have a good core kind of start with Olave and Rashid, but you do need a possession receiver. Jarvis was supposed to be that guy. It did not work out. Maybe you bring him back and hope for health. I don't know. I definitely agree. You still got to stock up on at that position. And unless there's that miracle of miracle ways, we do find a way to get Mike T back on this roster and a healthy Mike T, obviously, because Thomas, Olave, Rashid, it's, sounds like a short of a good time for me and i know that's dreamland but it's it's not it's nice to to at least picture that for a moment here's aka the scientist says no trade he will get cut and yeah i mean i I get it i get that take in the end i don't think a trade is going to happen honestly i I don't think that the saints will end up doing it and they end up they're just doing their due diligence quote unquote and homework right now getting in good with Carr, and they they end up then obviously pursuing him on the open market when the Raiders do cut him. Yeah, right. And I think it's just it's they want to be in a position where they can make a trade if if it fits what they want to do. Right. It's like you said earlier. Like one of the things that you said, and I disagreed with, is that they're all in. I don't think they're all in. And like that's kind of where you're at. See, I I think they've locked in on their guy, and they're just I I do I think they're willing to do whatever it takes now to get him in. I think they're deciding right now. I think they're trying to figure out right now whether that is the case. And like after this week, maybe maybe they are all in. But I think that's what this visit is supposed to be, is, is about learning, whether you are all in on a guy. Yeah, and I think obviously you're trying to sell Carr that this is this is where you want to be and, and definitely a guy that needs to feel wanted of what, after what happened with the Raiders. Yeah, and so the, and we talked about this earlier. This is 504 Hot Boy. 
says the going rate for a starting QB in the NFL is what it is and is what it is and Carr is a starting QB. And I think that's like I, I think that's a good point. Is like you are not going to get a discount negotiating in free agency. Now what you can say is if you do bring him in as a free agent as opposed to the contract he is on, you can get more creative with how it is structured. And if I'm the Saints and I do have a very particular way that I go about building contracts and and organizing contracts, I don't necessarily want to bring in whatever deal the Raiders have structured because it might not fit what I want it to be. And so even if you end up paying him the same amount on a new deal, you could at least build it out in a way that is more suitable for your very unique cap structure. And so I think that's a good point um, in this whole thing. But I don't know how much you can really get done. Uh, and when you're talking about paying the guy $30 million, either way, it's going to get you're going to have to be very creative. But definitely, you're going to be looking to do that for pretty much most guys that you're bringing in at that position. You know what I mean? Unless you're really going in that direction of an Andy Dalton as your starter again. And if Andy Dalton's going to be, quote-unquote, your starter, he's going to be looking for more bucks than he got last year because you could say he was technically a bargain. You don't pay a starting – if you bring in a guy to be a starting quarterback, you're not paying him one year $3 million. And if you are, that means that you're tanking. Well, what, what do you think Dalton gets on the market after this season with the Saints? I think he'll get more than one year $3 million. I think he did show he's good enough to be a backup in the NFL. The question is, well, do the Saints feel like he was good enough as a starter to be their starter? And I sure hope not. No, and I think that's why this they went forward, obviously, with this pursuit of Derek Carr. And again, like I, I do think that it's worth noting that bringing in Derek Carr doesn't mean you're done drafting quarterbacks. I think it actually means that you ramp up drafting quarterbacks. Like you do start really going in and evaluating guys like a Jake Hayner, like a Hendon Hooker. And while those are lottery tickets at best, in my opinion, you got to buy a ticket to have a chance to win. You know, I get maybe lottery, lottery ticket is probably not a fair enough representation it's more like you know you you're throwing darts at a board and while the saints don't want to be throwing darts to some extent when you're taking a guy in the mid rounds and you're saying this is a project and we're going to see what we have you have to be it is dart throwing see for me if you're if you're going to really do this deal for Derek Carr that 29th pick there ain't no way in hell I'm taking a quarterback no I'm not taking quarterback at 29 unless unless I really really fell in love with a guy that's a senior bowl I don't know anything about um Tanner McKee, Stanford. I don't know much about Tanner McKee, right? So he's probably a guy you could look at at 29 and say maybe. But yeah, I don't know if that's what you do. But at 40, that's where you might get might get a little crazy and go after a Hendon Hooker, right? Which is a, a very popular name. People seem to love Hendon Hooker. And I don't know if it's because he's got a catchy name and they want to make the jokes. But like for whatever reason, Saints fans are in love with this guy. Except for Dustin. I'm just trying. If I'm if I'm making that move, like I said, to get Derek Carr, those early assets in the draft, I'm trying to surround him with as much help as possible. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. Dust, Dustin is one. I shouldn't say everybody because Dustin here, Dustin156 says, Hendon Hooker got y'all tripping. He ain't it. Last thing we need is an injured quarterback. Poop emoji, poop emoji. And yeah, the injury does concern me a little bit, for sure. Yeah, I know that's been a big one. And I think it's because obviously he's... He's a guy that's 
going to take a dip in the draft just because of the injury. I also don't necessarily see him as the true dual threat guy. Like, I've watched him play a lot, and I'm always disappointed with how he runs the ball. Like, he he never gets enough yard. Like, you see these wide gaping holes that he can run through, and it's like, he's not that fast. He does run. He's willing to run. And Tennessee gave him a lot of designed runs. But I'm always disappointed when when he doesn't get more out of them. Like, he, like you see Justin Fields, for example, like a true dual threat guy. Like, he gets space in the open field. He's gone. Same thing with, like, a Daniel Jones even. I don't see that with Hendon. Maybe, maybe it's because of how Tennessee lines up and the way they kind of stretch to the edges of the field makes it so there's always defensive backs coming downhill at him. That could be part of it. Like, you don't get as much uh, angle. Uh, you don't get the type of angles you might um, because of that. But anyway, I, I, I don't hate Hendon Hooker, but I'm not as enamored with him as most people. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would hope that's not in reference to Carr because I, I would think however you feel about him, you have to believe, I would think you would believe he's an upgrade over Andy Dalton if you're not even putting the financial dynamics into it. But he does have one important quality, as Myron Wilson points out here. He did go to Tennessee, and the Saints do seem to love Tennessee players. <laughs> um, they they have at least four, right? Alvin, Kamara, Shy Tuttle, Alante Taylor. That might be it. I think that might be it. Oh, no, Bryce Thompson. Bryce Thompson's Tennessee. Oh, nice pull. Yeah, I knew there was at least one more. Um I agree. Um, Then we can end on this. Chris P says, I know it's a stretch, but what about Lamar? I still think Lamar is a very intriguing option. Yeah, that'd be like the the golden goose prize or whatever you want to say. I just don't know how realistic it is obtainable and and how much affordable too, contract-wise even. I know, you know, the the quote-unquote the Saints will find a way, but that then puts you, uh, it, it just would hurt a lot. One of the things for me that makes it complicated is the timing of it, right? So it's like, do you want to bring in Derek Carr right now on his current contract? Because if you do, then it has to be done by next week. Now, if you want, if you'd rather wait till free agency, then that kind of opens up a whole nother array of options in terms of, yeah, you could probably wait out Lamar getting franchised and try to trade for him. Um, but you know, that might put you at a disadvantage in, in other respects. And if you've already kind of made the determination internally that Derek Carr is that guy and you don't want to wait, then I can understand that. But I, I still really like Lamar Jackson as an option. Um, but I don't think that Steam is going to want to leverage the type of assets they would have to to get him. Agree there. But yeah, I mean, I, I obviously that's that's a guy though too. I would not mind leveraging those assets and be willing to pay him. And, and I was not feeling the love for Deshaun Watson last year, not just because of the background, but because also the money that was involved with it. He just didn't seem worth it to me because of all that. That's fair. But all right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. been on here for about 90 minutes. We've had a lot of engagement. I do appreciate that as always. A lot of questions answered. Hopefully while we were on here and I wasn't paying attention to Twitter Nothing crazy happened because that's I was like living in fear all day of like, damn it, the second we start this podcast, something's going to happen. And actually, it's now it's even worse because we're done with the podcast. So we can't even react to it. So all this information we shared that will be 
completely wrong by the morning when this podcast actually posts on the apps. Just enjoy it. We only thing we missed was some fake news about Derek Carr. Honestly, there was fake news. There was fake news. What was it? That he had a chance, a trip scheduled to Carolina and then he canceled it. That's fake. Yeah. And we're repeating it. So now it's real. <laughs> That's what I just, Good. when you were mentioning that, you know, being away from Twitter, it is kind of like, you know, you feel like you might be missing something sometimes and it's kind of nerve wracking. And while you were mentioning that I checked in and I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. It's, it's, it was, it came out and then it was already debunked. All right. Good stuff. Well, again, thanks as always to the listeners. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't, wherever you are listening or watching or whatever it is you're doing. Hit the like button. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. You can check us out on Sports Talk tomorrow, Friday at 4 to 8 p.m. WWL. Well, I'm sorry, 4 to 7 p.m. WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 in the Odyssey app. I've gotten good at saying that fast. Philadelphia Eagles 31, Kansas City Chiefs 24. Steve asked me if, like, because I grew up watching the Giants, that I might root for the Eagles out of NSE solidarity. And I said, hell no, the Eagles suck. Well, that's just something I always laugh just during college football season when everyone's like, SEC pride. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. No, those are the teams I don't like. I'd rather be, have the team I'm indifferent about win. I don't want to have to, like, hear reigning champion Eagles every time the Giants lose to them by 40 points next year. This is not what I want. And then you hear fly, Eagles fly, Boston Scott. And yeah, you, exactly. Yeah, they also have the worst chance. Anyway, all right. That's it. This is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for coming in and hanging out as always. Peace. Peace.